Good morning. Um, I'm Martin. Uh, I'm privileged to uh, call this church my home, and I'm even more privileged to be able to speak to you this morning um, from God's Word. So this morning, we are going to be looking at the theme of law, um, and to sort of get us in the right mood, I'll give this a, a title there based on an old song. Few, few uh, <laughs> chuckles there. Maybe we're a bit old. But um, we're going to be asking, what is the law for? Why does God give the law? Um, and before we start it, I just want to start with, in a spirit of openness, a little bit of a confession, because I think it's important to this. Whilst I was planning this, um, I realized that in the eyes of the British law, I am a criminal. Um, and this came as a bit of a surprise to me. But uh, I looked back and realized that 10 years ago, um, I was found guilty of a crime that I'd committed and forgotten about. See, I was found guilty of speeding. Um, and the first I knew about it was when the fine came through my letterbox. And to my shame, I got this fine, and I don't pins. So I, I sent a letter back saying, oh, I don't think it, it can't have been me. Can you send me proof? You know, thinking, if I can't send me proof, I don't have to pay. No consequences. Annoyingly, about a week later, a series of high-resolution photos <laughs> came with a lovely letter from the police saying, here's your proof. Please pay the fine. And I looked very happy driving through a village at 37 miles an hour with my sunglasses on in the sunshine. And rather begrudgingly, I had to accept I'd done wrong. And there was consequences to that. Um, I wasn't overly complimentary about the law. I thought, it's a Sunday afternoon. No one's around. Does it matter? But I was still guilty. I was still wrong. And technically, I still have that criminal record that goes with being found guilty of a crime against my name. And before we look at the Ten Commandments, I just wonder if we sometimes might bring a similar attitude to this. Uh, maybe as a Christian, we might say, well, I see the Ten Commandments. I've heard people say things about them, but I'm covered by grace. The law doesn't really apply to me anymore. I don't have to follow it. Or maybe, actually, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You're someone who says, look, I live a moral life. I look at those Ten Commandments. Most of them I've followed really well. I try to follow them. Isn't that what a good person is? I want to be a good person. But how can I follow all of these? Well, this morning, I want us to really think, before we get into God's Word, and say, well, where would you put yourself on that spectrum? Are you someone who feels that maybe the law is not for you? Or someone who worries about the law? Let's read Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 21. The words will come up on the screen. As we read. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. That means that those laws stand for generation after generation. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who he takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving to you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So the Ten Commandments are ten words that God speaks directly to the people of Israel as they are gathered at the, at the base of Mount Sinai. And this morning I want to draw out that the Ten Commandments reveal to us today who we are, who we are called to be, and who we are changed to be when we know Jesus. So the first side's going to come up there. The first thing I want to say is the law points us to who we are. The law points us to who we are. Now, one of my heroes in history, even though he's a deeply flawed man, was Winston Churchill. Not the nodding dog from the uh, advert. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Our Prime Minister, as Britain entered the Second World War. Now, what I like about Winston Churchill is he embodies what that British spirit that defines our nation really looks like. Um, he, he was someone who was the right person with the right words at the right time. He stood up for what he believed was right. And we all need someone like that in our lives, don't we? Someone who can tell us the right things when we just need it. And when he gave his declaration of war, he didn't just write it in a press release and say, you need to say this on the news. You need to write this in the papers. He himself grabbed the microphone and he spoke directly to the people, offering direction, clarity, and hope encouraging people to join with him 
and God does the same here. When he's speaking to the people, he is speaking directly to the people because what he's got to say matters. It's important. In fact, it's so important um, that God is actually telling people what it looks like to be a full human, to be wholly human. This is God's plan for what life looks like for these Israelites as they go into the promised land, and it's God's plan for what life looks like for us. And the reason God does it personally is because this is what a life in relationship with God looks like. You see, when God speaks to the people, it's as if he's making marriage vows. It's as if he's saying the most sacred things to the most beloved people. And um, I just think about my marriage. I got this right this morning. So I've been married this year 17 years. And 17 years ago, I walked down um, the aisle and waited for my bride to come. She sat here. And uh, we promised each other that we would love, we would cherish, we would honor each other. We would put each other first. That was the basis of our marriage. That's what it meant to be married to each other, is we are going to live like this. And we told it to our friends and our family, and we told it to God. See, it matters, because that's what I aspire for my marriage to look like. And God speaks to the people and says, this is what I aspire for our relationship to look like. I have brought you out of the promised land. You were chosen. You didn't do anything to do it. I brought you through the Red Sea. I brought you to Sinai, and I've met you, and I'm speaking words to you so that we can have a relationship that matters. You see, the Ten Commandments are God's vows to his people. Now, for it to be a wedding, the bride needs to both, um, and the groom, make their vows and be present in person. See? Um, it makes it sacred. It makes it a promise. And it shows us here how God wants us to live and what life looks like when it's lived well. Because it matters to God. See, God... Um, has brought people into relationship. God has brought you into relationship with him, and he's made his vows, and he's kept them. And we respond by making our vows. The Ten Commandments are the standards that we aspire to. Just like when I made my vows to Kerry, I intended to keep them perfectly. I aspired to them. However, the law also shows that not only are we called into relationship but that we are broken. You see, I made vows to my wife, and I haven't kept them as well as I could. There are times when I've not loved her first. There are times when I've not cherished her, but taken her for granted. There are times when I've not honored her with my actions and my words, and I've come short to the standards that I've promised to her. And that's part of the human nature. I guess that would be the same for us. I kind of hope that it is the same for us, because I don't want to stand here and be the only person who can't live up to his vows. And some smiles tell me that maybe I'm okay. Um, but 
God is holy. God is sovereign. God is interested in every single part. We heard in worship, God is interested in every hair on our body. He's that interested in who you are, and he demands that his relationship with his people must be marked by love. Love from him and love for him. And in contrast, our hearts are rebellious. My heart is rebellious. I can't keep the promises to the most important person who I see every day as well as I want to because there's something in my heart that stops me. Okay? The Ten Commandments gives us the basis for law. They point out where we go wrong. Our sin separates us from God. And this separation is in direct opposition to our created purpose. God has created us to be in relationship with him, and our sin divides us. It shows us that even though we are made for relationship, we are broken. And we all fall short of the good and perfect law. And the law is good and perfect because the law is given by God and God is good and perfect. So that leaves us knowing that we're called for relationship but also knowing that we're broken and that there's something wrong on our side that spoils that relationship. However, the law also points us to who we're meant to be. The law gives us hope. You see, the Ten Commandments help us to take a litmus test on our relationship with God. Because the way we treat others reflects how we view God. When our hearts and minds are putting God first, we proclaim him in our lives, in our speech, in our actions. The structure of the Ten Commandments is fascinating. It starts with, basically, this is how you should think about God. This is where your heart is. This is the way you speak about God. And this is what you do for God. And it rests. This is what you do for others. This is how you should think about others. And this is where your heart should be for others. Our relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father, determines our relationship with people. And we can know where we're at with God because we can see how we love others. And the law shows us that. And that's, that's really important. A heart centered on God looks like a life that loves the people around us because we first love God. Um, I was so pleased this morning, Helen, I don't know if she's sat now, where are you Helen? Over there, there you go, Helen um, works really closely in a team with Matt, and Matt and Helen uh, lead Radiant Cleaners, and uh, she gave me this this morning, let me just uh, put the slide up, Radiant Cleaners has been um, given the award of their contribution to the community because of how they treat people. You see, this represents what God's kingdom looks like when it's seen in society today. Matt and Helen represent God's kingdom 
to people who don't know him yet. You see, Grace Enterprises, which um, has set up Radiant Cleaners, is established to react to the unfairness in our society. It's a business that puts people first, not profit. It declares to society that God is not just for people who go to church. God is there for everybody. And no matter what happens in your life, where circumstances has taken you, God is there for you. This is an amazing testimony to the society around us. And this is how society reacts when it sees it. It stands up, it takes notes, and it says, we want to celebrate that. We want to recognize that this is significant. This is important. See, Grace Enterprises doesn't place profit above people. Grace Enterprises gives people time off on a Sunday so that they can rest. It looks to stand apart from other businesses. It doesn't follow a business model of, well, if we do this, we can make the most money. We'll, we'll use people. It says, no, we do something different. We reflect something of the law of God in the way we deal with people and the way we do business. And um, that heart for Christ is reflecting the heart that Christ has for us. We are called to stand up for God's design for our society. The Ten Commandments shows us who we are, and it says we are broken. But it says we are also called to be part of the change that God has given society as a, a benchmark. See, when we stand up for what's right, God is seen, and people take notice. And that is hugely significant. You see, back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve decided to put themselves ahead of God. It's what led to the first sin. In fact, it was the first sin. They said, we don't need God. We will do what we want. And it resulted in them eating the fruit of knowledge and losing that relationship with God at the beginning. Today, society looks at God's law and says, we don't need God's law. We'll put our own law in there, something that we agree with more. Because God's law comes with judgment. And it says all religions are equal. We should serve ourselves. We should better ourselves. You should invest in things that make your life better. Because that's how you will find fulfillment in life. The Sabbath, that's my time. I've worked hard for six days this week. I've put my all into it because I'm trying to make my life better. I will do what I want to do with my time. My relationships, they're my business. It doesn't matter if people are hurt. It's my happiness that comes first. It doesn't matter if I'm not quite keeping those promises I made. It's my happiness that comes first. And then they look around in society, and you see someone who's got the, the latest iPhone. Someone who's had a nice extension or a new car, and you think, oh, maybe it's my turn. Maybe I deserve that. I work hard. I play hard. I deserve something from life. Society has become structured around ourselves because society's problems is actually a problem of the heart. 
when we take God from the center of our lives and when we pick up ourselves and place that right there and then structure our lives around that, we inevitably are replacing a perfect God with a flawed, broken self. And that will inevitably give us a flawed, broken society. One that's marked by greed and selfishness. Um, so the Bible calls us to respond to, the, respond to the law and respond to the world with compassion. The law shows us what sin is, and it shows us what sin's not. It's like a plumb line that gives us morals to follow. I don't know how you feel, but um, in preparing this, I looked at what Nottingham life is like for many people. 60% of our children are growing up in homes that are classed as poverty. Knife crime is on the rise. Um, violence is on the rise. Drug use, homelessness, social deprivation, abuse. They're all in our papers. They're all markers of what our society looks like because our society is built around ourself. Self comes first. The law of God is designed to give humanity its right place in his created order. The law of self divides and dehumanizes. Self causes us to behave awfully to each other. The law of God causes us to love each other. We know something's not right inside, don't we? And we know that because the Ten Commandments tell us this is what a whole human life looks like. And we can see that we are broken and we fall short. You know, um, I quite like DIY. I don't know if there's any people out there. I quite fancy myself as a bit of an expert sometimes. Um, and I've made those those little Ikea bookcases. Yes, you all know which one I'm talking about. Um, now, my record for making one of those is eight minutes. So, that then qualifies me in my mind that when we get something bigger that needs building, I don't need the instructions. The instructions are there. They're just a developed version of what I already know. So, put those aside. Get out all the tools. My power tools, of course, because that's more money. Okay. Lay out the screws, get the piece of furniture, and then look at them. I think that goes there. And my wife will stand there saying, why don't you use instructions? I don't need instructions. The instructions, I kind of have an idea of them, and I will push on until she's probably thrown the instructions at me. My children have been banished to give me space to think. And then the end product is inevitably less than it could have been. It's inferior. Because that screw didn't quite go there. That hole wasn't meant for that. That shelf could have been a bit straighter. And the law points out what life could be like. But just like me ignoring those instructions, it can be tempting to think, well, I have an idea. I'm just going to ignore that and make 
make it on my own. I can do that. Okay? Now, the problem with that is it doesn't change our heart. The law can show us what's wrong, but it can't make us different. Um, it can't fix the problems. And Grace Enterprise has been recognized because it's an example of how a heart centered on God can create a fairer and just world. And we are called to do the same, to stand up for what God wants humanity to look like. Here's another quote from one of my favorite heroes, Captain America, probably the greatest hero in the Marvel world. Um, but he, he got this. This is what Captain America said. I'm just going to read the last sentence or so. He says, plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. You see, Jesus is the river of truth. We are called to plant ourselves in the banks beside the river to drink deeply of him and let the fruit of a life spent with Jesus be seen by the world around us. The Ten Commandments show us what that looks like. So we've seen the commandments tell us who we are, that we are made for relationship, but we are broken. They tell us who we are called to be, that we should stand up and stand out for the kingdom that God wants to bring in our lives and in the lives of those people we live with. And thirdly, the Ten Commandments point out who we are changed to be. I want to read with you um, a passage from further in your Bible, a book called Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. And look at chapter 12. The verses will come up on the screen for you because here the Bible speaks about the experience of the Israelites and our status before God if we know Jesus. Let me read this. It's, it's wonderful. Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. This is the people at the foot of Sinai hearing the law of God. For they could not endure the order that was given. If a beast touched a mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in a feastal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven. That's you if you know Jesus. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see, the Ten Commandments show us who we are changed to be. Having shown us who we are and who God has called us to become, we see that in Jesus, we no longer stand under judgment from the law. 
The law is good. The law is perfect. But the fear of judgment made the people tremble because they knew we can't, we can't live up to this. But there is one who has lived up to it. There is one who stood in your place and died and was resurrected and has gone to heaven. And in Christ, you have died to the law and you are resurrected into a new life. Next week, we have baptisms, a symbol of a life that dies to judgment and is raised up and placed in the center of heaven. And God declares you righteous. And what is righteous cannot be condemned. Where there is light, there cannot be dark. God has done it for us. It's amazing. Hallelujah, indeed. Thank you. Our Judgment has been replaced by freedom. You know, I made wedding vows to my wife 17 years ago. When I die, those wedding vows are gone. They are null and void. Kerry could marry someone else, and I would have no stake in her life. Nothing I say would matter. And the same is true for you and the law. The law is good and perfect. It points out our flaws. It gives us something to aspire to. It shows us what life could be. And then we fail. And then we feel judged because we are judged, because we're not good enough. But when Christ died, you died to the law. When Christ was resurrected, you were resurrected in Christ, so you no longer stand in judgment of the law. You are not defined by the law. Your identity is defined by who Christ is, his perfection, and his righteousness. And that is his free gift for you this morning. If you do not know Jesus, and you stand under the judgment of the law, and like the Israelites, you are frightened, release that burden. Let it go, because he has done it. You can be freed. The chains are broken. Judgment no longer applies to you, because Christ has judged you, and Christ has judged you to be righteous. All you need to do is give your heart to him, put him in the center of your life. Live for Christ, not self. As we conclude this morning, I want to go back to the question I asked at the very beginning. Law, law, what is it good for? Well, unlike the song I've cannibalized, <laughs> it's definitely nothing. The law is good because it points to who we are. The law is good because it points to who we are called to be. The law is good because it points to Jesus and who we are changed to be in him. So I ask you this morning, what is your relationship to the law? Maybe you did come in here and say, well, I've seen these Ten Commandments, but I'm a Christian. I've got grace. I don't need to follow the law. Well, I'd ask you this morning... 
Is God challenging sin in your life? He's set a high watermark of what a human life can be like. This is something to aspire to, just like we aspire to a great relationship with our spouse. What does that look like for you to live a life that pursues Christ, that wants to be a little bit more like Jesus every day? Where can we show compassion to those people who are hurting in this city, in our communities? Maybe you can be the person God is placing to shine his light into the darkness. Or maybe you've turned up this morning and you've looked at laws and thought, well, that's how, how I should live. Well, this morning I want to ask you, um, do you know Jesus? Are you released from those laws, the judgment that comes with them. See, a good life is beyond our doing. A good life is one that's free from the judgment of the law because our life is defined by being in Christ. And if you feel chained, if you feel like you're trying to please God or please others by following rules, and that's how you get to be a good person, I want to say it bluntly to you, it's not the law is perfect and good. We are not. We fall short. We are condemned by the law, but in Christ, you are freed and you are made righteous. And on that note, Grace Church, I just want to end by asking you, love the law. Cherish the law. It shows us who we can be shows us who God has made us to be and the depths of love that God has for us and that Jesus died so that we might be righteous. So this morning, we're not going to have a time of worship. I'm just going to pray for us. I just like you to take a moment and reflect on what you've heard. Reflect on how you stand with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a good and perfect God. We thank you, Lord, that whilst we were in darkness, you came and found us. We thank you that when we were far away, you showed love to us beyond all measure. We thank you, Lord, that you want the best for us. You aspire that we might live life in all its fullness. And we thank you most of all that in Jesus... We have no judgment or condemnation, but we are declared free and righteous. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.